Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. What do you do for your holidays? Do you spend them on yourself? Do you uh, spend them on other people? Have you ever thought about the possibility that our holidays might be opportunities for evangelism? So welcome back into the studio, Dr. Anna Dobb with our stories from the Scent Ones. Anna, welcome. Thanks. It's great to be back. And I'm so glad that you're here. So this is Christmas season. It is Christmas season. And if you are in the Southern Baptist Convention or you're familiar with our International Mission Board, then Christmas can only mean one thing. Jesus' birth. There's that one, which is really important. <laughs> but there is also the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Yes, Lottie Moon Christmas so offering. So every year as Southern Baptists, we uh, we think about Christmas um, because of Jesus' birth, of course. But also it's the time when we as Southern Baptists really focus on missions through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Sure. And so we thought today would be a great time to uh, talk about Lottie Moon herself. You know, I remember when I was a pastor in Alabama, had a man come up to me one time. He said, I'm not sure who Lottie Moon is, but are we ever going to pay her debt off? <laughs> she, her, her name is very much attached to money in the SBC, but that's mainly because of some of the things that she wrote about. Yeah. Um, so she's really, really well known for her letters. Yeah, Lottie Moon is a real missionary. Yeah, she was. In fact, uh, one of the most important missionaries in the history of our foreign mission board, our international mission board, one of the very first single female missionaries appointed. Anna, what can we learn about the person Lottie Moon? Sure. So like you said, she was a missionary in China. Mm-hmm. Um, she started on the exterior of, of the, the country China of, of China, but then she actually was very convicted of needing to go to the interior. So she's one of the women who actually moved missions into the interior of China, which was unheard of at that point. Um, And she was very innovative. She was bold. She did things that a lot of people would have said, you're crazy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did them because she wanted to answer God's call. Now, she went with her sister. Okay. Um, her sister actually went first. She went and joined her. Okay. And uh, Lottie was this tiny, tiny woman. Yeah. Less than five foot. Wow. Right? Um, yeah. And she decided she wanted to proclaim the gospel to the, the Chinese. But in the midst of that, she starts to write these letters back home. And this is really what she's known for mm-hmm. overall. Um, so she writes these letters that are updates to the foreign mission board. Um, and she begged for more funds, for more missionaries. And she especially called men to come to the field. She saw that there was this need mm. for men to come. Um, and I thought in this particular series, it might be good to hear from Lottie herself, sure. since we have so many of her own letters. Yeah. So this was a letter that she wrote on November 11th, 1878. Let's hear it. Um, And she says, Oh, that my words would be as a trumpet call, stirring the hearts of my brethren and sisters to pray, to labor, to give themselves to this people. We are now a very, very few feeble workers scattering the grain broadcast according as time and strength permit. God will give the harvest, doubt it not. But the laborers are so few. Where we have four, we should not have less than 100. Are these wild words? They would not seem so were the church of God awake to her high privilege and her weighty responsibility. Wow. She wrote all kinds of letters like that. Um, And then in another letter that she wrote in September 15th, 1887, 
She writes this, Is not the festive season when families and friends exchange gifts in memory of the gift laid on the altar of the world for the redemption of the human race the most appropriate time to consecrate a portion from abounding riches and scant poverty to send forth the good tidings of great joy into all the earth? So years later... Mm-hmm. People listened to these le- these words from Lottie Moon, and the Women's Missionary Union actually followed her suggestion and created a Christmas offering okay. uh, that would be used to f- fund missionaries overseas. At that point, it wasn't called the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Right. That comes of later. Right. Um, but it's taken up every year around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and 100% of the proceeds go to the International Mission Board to fund the preparation, the sending, and the supporting of hundreds of missionaries around the world. That's great. And, and it is a great testimony to a great a pioneer mm-hmm. in foreign missions with the Southern Baptist Convention uh, who really uh, herself, uh, risky, courageous, uh, aggressive, um, passionate about missions, and then raised up really generations of people to go to the field. What a great story, a great reminder. And uh, we just want to ask you, if you are part of a Southern Baptist church, your church should be uh, taking the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this season to support international missions. If you're not and you would like to support international missions, uh, there are ways to support that. Uh, Southeastern Seminary uh, takes up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering as well. And uh, this would be a way you could participate in that. And again, we're not trying to pay off Lottie Moon's debt. No, we're actually trying to raise up a generation of people who are going to make King Jesus's name known across the world. Amen. Anna, thanks for being here. Thanks for reminding us about Lottie Moon uh, and her, her ministry and her life. Sure. Thanks. Hey, Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Scent Life Studios, and uh, we're here today. I'm Scott Hildreth. I've got Keelan Cook uh, with us today, and we have begged our uh, podcast engineer, Nathan, to crawl out from behind all the dials and join us for this episode of the Scent Life. Nathan, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a great privilege for me. Merry Christmas to both of you guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So, guys, this the reason we got Nathan here and Keelan and myself is because we really want to think about uh, holidays as opportunities for uh, really for sharing the gospel, right? I mean, we have holidays in our uh, in our calendar, and I tell people all the time: most cultures in the world have holidays, and our holidays tend to fall in one of two categories. They're either patriotic holidays. There's a celebration that says something about the country itself, the people itself. So we celebrate who we are as a nation, who we are as a people. In the United States, of course, it's the 4th of July, or it may be uh, Veterans Day, or anything like this. It's just, okay, this is who we are as a people. And then we have religious holidays, things that say something about what we value, what we point to as a people, what we hold up. Of course, in the United States, we have Easter, uh, we have uh, have Christmas, then we have Thanksgiving, which is a little bit of an unusual blend of those two, right? Thanksgiving has some Mm -hmm. some, uh, American history blended with religion. religion. So we kind of use that holiday to point in that direction. So this is really where we come together on these types of holidays. But Keelan, you've traveled the world. Nathan, you're, uh, you've traveled the world as well. So what do you think the holidays that a group of people, that a country, a culture celebrates, even the United States, but what does the, the, the holidays, what does it say about the people themselves? So I think you're spot on when it comes to the importance of holidays. And it's very easy for us to overlook that. 
uh, one of the so I often when I when I teach about culture in general with churches I talk about the five F's right mm-hmm. that it, uh, there's food and family and friends and finances and and festivals is one of those right. uh, that I, I tend to use uh, because it's one of the things that carries I think some of the most cultural baggage good or bad yep. but it carries so much cultural baggage and it says so much about the group what they value the most mm. they tend to celebrate that's true of us it's true of everyone and so the things that are a celebration in a culture tend to be the things that they value the most can show up at excess in festivals absolutely so mm-hmm. you know we value food and so we just eat a whole bunch at every holiday right that's right family yeah. we gather around family uh, Nathan, what about in your experience, fest, uh, holidays and all, how do holidays shape uh, what you've learned about and know about different people? Sure. I think even when we look at the, the Bible, um, for instance, Passover mm-hmm. or, you know, other holidays that we can see them in, even in the Old Testament. Sure. It just reminds me, God, family, uh, friends, yep. food, right. and um, Sabbath, just mm-hmm. rest. And um, but the point is that is it is it only about like us or right. even it's also about God and also others. That's good. So sometimes there is a oh, there are some pitfalls uh, in the right way of understanding this that uh, that can be dangerous for us to become like self-centered. That's right. So but but holidays are beautiful. I think without holidays we're gonna. Um, we're going to have a very busy, crazy world that it just all things uh, are about work and are about us. Yeah. Our professions, our studies, our jobs, our, um, you know, everything about just us. Mm-hmm. But holidays, I think it's a great opportunity for us to uh, take some times off of the craziness of life. And think about more serious and eternal things. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we want to talk about here is the real possibility we have of not just spending our holidays on ourselves, but really using them uh, for ministry, and maybe more specifically using them as springboards to share the gospel with people, and sometimes to share the gospel with people mm-hmm. who are from a different culture. So, Keelan, how can we use? Um, holidays as evangelistic opportunities and maybe more importantly or or as importantly using them as cross-cultural evangelism opportunities. Sure. So if we take the two categories of holidays that you just mentioned, patriotic mm-hmm. and religious, I think both of them actually give us an opportunity to think evangelistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with the patriotic because I want to live with the religious more right. so. But even in the patriotic, we're going to learn something about the people and the worldview of the people that we're working with. Right. Uh, and so whatever their holidays are, whatever our holidays are, it gives us an opportunity to to have some cultural acquisition that occurs. Sure. What's going on? What are the things that they value in a cultural sense there? Uh, so if we dig into that, I think there's an opportunity to have some good conversation mm. uh, that leads to gospel conversation. Now, the religious one, I think it's it's pretty obvious sure. uh, how that one leans in. Uh, religious holidays in particular, they, they're a remembrance hmm. of a story. Good. Uh, that's true in most every religion that I can think of. When you look at their religious holiday experiences, they're celebrating a particular story, uh, and that becomes a, a straight line right into their religious worldview. And each one of those becomes an opportunity, whether it's their holiday or our holiday, hmm. to be able to engage in conversation about the gospel. Yeah. So what about you, Nathan? What are some um, What are some ways that you have seen 
uh, holidays, maybe Christmas. We're coming up to Christmas season, in Christmas season. Uh, what are some ways that you've seen Christmas used mm-hmm. uh, maybe as a, as a platform for sharing the gospel? Uh, let's say with Muslim people. You, you come from a Muslim background, and I'm, I'm sure that you've had the opportunity to see this. What are, do you have some examples of how this can be possible? Um, sure. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, you and me recorded a podcast. I'm looking at it right now, sharing the gospel with our Muslim neighbors. Yeah. And one of the ways that I mentioned in that uh, specific episode that uh, holidays like Christmas mm-hmm. can give us great opportunities to, let's say, um, gift, mm. uh, give, giving gifts to other people. Mm-hmm. And we can uh, give Muslims the Bible as a gift. Yep. Or... It's been always like that for me to find a time to tell one of my Muslim friends that if you want to go to church mm. and see our w- the way that we worship, to learn about gospel, one of the best services always is Christmas. Right. So it's beautiful. It's about Jesus. Mm. It's all about the birth of Jesus, about the gospel. And so Christmas can give me a great opportunity to invite my Muslim friends to church yeah. or to give them Bible or to invite them in uh, actually over uh, to m- my place, to mm. m- my home, uh, and just to spend the uh, Christmas uh, day uh, day with them or share a meal with them. So uh, when we think about uh, Christmas as a great opportunity for us to share, actually we are thinking about the main reason of Christmas. That's a good point. Jesus came to save the world yeah. and um why I uh, just lose this opportunity to to share this great news exactly on the same day yeah. or just um, give the living word of God to a Muslim as a Christmas gift. Right. That's a great point, though. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I think is really helpful about what Nathan said, so there's the, the thing that we're celebrating, mm-hmm. uh, and there's obviously a gospel opportunity in the Advent, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to have that conversation. That's what the whole thing's about, it's the gospel. Right. Uh, but the other thing is how we celebrate the holiday itself. I mm. mean, here in the mm. States, the way we tend to celebrate Christmas, we've got church services. Sure. And it's an excellent opportunity to invite people. We also tend to have something going on in our home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're more open, I feel, at the holidays just in general to invite people over mm. for things. So this is a time when our home tends to be decorated. We tend to be a little happier about the way that it would look <laughs> to have people there anyways. Uh, and it becomes an excellent opportunity for us, particularly nowadays in the States. We talk about all the uh, the cross-cultural experiences we need to be having now. Right. Mm-hmm. What a great time to invite somebody into an American home at Christmas. Yeah. 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 You know, And also when you invite, a, I mean, mo- most of the time when you want to invite a Muslim to a religious gathering, mm-hmm. especially Christian religious gathering, um, they they come with a thought that we want to convert them mm. or they are they are here to um, become like challenged. The target, yeah. Or target, exactly. And then when it's Christmas, it's just a celebration. Yeah. You invite them to celebrate with them or share a meal with them so they don't have a guard. Mm. And that's a great opportunity just to love them, to um, take your time to just um, be a hospitable host and uh, just uh, share the good news of Christmas. Just have fun, right? Just have a good time, celebrate together. So let's ask this question. So when we think about holidays, because Nathan made a great point. Wait a minute. Without the holidays, it's all work. It's all Mm -hmm. stress. It's all this. So holidays really become for us this chance to pull back. Spend time with family, spend time on your own, kind of get a break. Now we're talking about giving that to somebody else who's maybe mm. creating a little bit more challenge. 
So how should we think about the holiday season when it comes to, hey, this is a holiday for me, for my family. At the same time, it's evangelistic. Is it selfish? How do we how do we think about holidays in that sense that, that we're thinking, hey, how, it's, include someone else in my family's holiday, my hmm. holiday season? Hmm. I think the answer is having balance. Okay. It's just balance because uh, you can have a selfish holiday mm. or we can have a restful, fruitful, but at the same time, missional mm. holiday. Okay. And uh, you can have your private time with your family. And also in, let's say, you have a week off, just plan on inviting some someone just for one day. Okay. Or just for one meal. Mm-hmm. Or uh, just go to a neighbor's door and one day and give them a gift and take 15 minutes to okay. share the gospel with them. So uh, I, I think it's just um, a thought behind that. Mm. I don't want to have a selfish holiday. Good. I want to share something with somebody or I want to bless someone else. Mm. Uh, not only my family, but I just want to share with others as well. That's great. Yeah, rhythms, for sure, I, I think are a big piece of being able to do this well as a family. Because you, you do, you want to you be able to have some, here's some time when we're using this missionally, here's mm-hmm. some time when we're using this almost as a Sabbath or something. Right? Okay. We're getting some rest or some renewal in here. That said, I kind of want to go at the root of your premise there okay. to start with. Okay. Um, there's a piece of me that wonders how much of our individualistic culture in the States has bled into the way we think holidays should work in the first place. Okay. Whoever said that holidays are my me time? Mm. <laughs> like, where do we get that idea? Yeah. Uh, and when it comes to our home, it's very easy for us here in the state. The, the image that we tend to use is it's our castle, mm. right? Like, this is my castle. And I, uh, we almost think of ourselves having a little moat around here. It's our fortress of solitude. This is where I go to escape the world. And how right. dare I use it for anything else? When in reality, it's a gift from the Lord to be used and stewarded like everything else he's given us. Good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So our home, our holidays... They are not ours to use selfishly. Absolutely. Yeah, the Lord gives them to us, and, and we do benefit, but we use them for His to accomplish His mission. What are some ways that you guys have maybe some tips for how we can best utilize holiday seasons evangelistically and maybe even some ideas about thinking about ways to use holiday season uh, to, uh, to build relationships or to reach internationals, uh, use holidays for cross-cultural evangelism? So one of the ones that I've seen work really well, and it's very easy if you're anywhere near a college or a university. Yeah. Um, most colleges or universities at this point have a uh, pretty large population of international students. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's all these statistics out there about how the vast majority of international students come, they study in the States for four years, and they leave, and they've never even been invited in that time into mm-hmm. an American's home. They've never seen the inside of one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of colleges, in fact, have an office for their international students to try to connect international students with American families, wow. particularly for cultural holidays and experiences. It's very easy often to reach out to a college or university and say, hey, we'd love to take one of your international students and show them what an American hmm. Christmas looks like. Good. And they often have a space or a way for you to do something like that. That's great. Great, mm-hmm. pop, great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was about to um, say something something similar, even at our churches, our uh, Christian communities, we have some internationals that they don't have even a place to go mm-hmm. in, um, let's say, Thanksgiving. And as Killian said, that uh, they have never seen this ceremony, and also 
actually don't have any family to you know to to be with right so that's that can be a great opportunity for us to invite them over and talk about the traditions and also if they are not christians that's a great opportunity for us to share with them mm-hmm. yeah i think the same yeah i would make the same recommendation is look around for the for the people who may least likely have you know, family with them or mm-hmm. have the opportunity mm-hmm. to be part of, of a family. Don't make the assumption, hey, I don't think you have family come over, but just make the offer. Hey, I'm doing this with my family, and Nathan makes the point. Our holidays tend to be several days. Pick one of the days or one of the afternoons or one of the evenings and turn that into uh, an evangelistic opportunity. So, guys, I appreciate you being here. What a great conversation to have at this point in our uh, in our calendar. This will be our last uh, last podcast for this season as we all do go into the holiday break. We'll be back uh, after our Christmas break sometime uh, toward the mid or end of January. We may run some some repeats over the next several months, but we would like you to take the time over the Christmas holidays to spend time with your family, with your friends. Also use this as a moment for being involved in cross-cultural missions, uh, however God leads you in that. As far as The Scent Life, take a few moments and, and like the podcasts, recommend it to your friends. This always helps us. The more people who listen, the more people who pass it on, it helps us uh, in the, the algorithms. People find us, and they're able to, uh, to hear and see what, we're, what we've been doing. So, guys, Merry Christmas, Keelan. Merry Christmas, Scott. Nathan, how do you say Merry Christmas in Farsi? Christmas Mubarak. Christmas Mubarak. <laughs> yes. So with that, we're going to sign off. Thanks for joining us for The Scent Life for this season and for this episode. Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary exists to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, we offer over 40 degrees, ranging from a Bachelor of Arts to a Doctor of Philosophy. The Master of Divinity is Southeastern's flagship degree for anyone seeking to be thoroughly equipped to serve their local church through a variety of ways. Since 1950, Southeastern has grown its student body to more than 5,000 students who seek to minister in the U.S. and around the world. We believe that theological education is more than just building knowledge. It's about becoming who God has called you to be. No matter how God is calling you to serve, Southeastern will come alongside you and help you to grow in your faith and go. To reach the lost. If you're interested in learning more, check out sebts.edu to find out how God might be calling you to go next. Use the code THESENTLIFE, all caps, no spaces, and Southeastern will waive your application fee. Hey, welcome back to our segment on The Scent Life Out of the Tower, where we uh, take what we teach in our classrooms, some of these principles that we teach to our students, and we try to bring them into a very practical level that we can talk about moving out of the tower onto the street. And as we do each week, we welcome Dr. George Robinson into our Scent Life studios. Dr. Robinson, welcome. Super glad to be here again. Glad you're here. So what do we have this week for our Out of the Tower segment, our practical tip for our listeners? We'll talk about riding the rhythms of your community. The rhythms. Cool. Yeah, ride the rhythms of your community. So, you know, for the longest time, churches would come up with all of these different events in order to attract people to come to the church. And yet, um, as I've mentioned in a previous segment, oftentimes when you start talking about religious institutions, people are very turned off or very hesitant uh, to engage on that playing field. 
And so one of the things that I found really helpful is the fact that regardless of what community you live in, there are existing rhythms Mm -hmm. that are already there. And instead of equipping our people in churches uh, to host an event and try to publicize that event and get people to come to us, Mm -hmm. it's really important that we begin to think strategically about the rhythms that exist. So, for example, here in Wake Forest, we've got six Sundays in spring. Uh, We encourage people. That's a a concert on the lawn in the local park every spring. Sunday afternoons for a couple of hours, we encourage our small groups to go and actually have small group out there on the lawn, lawn, and we're training them to ride that rhythm, uh, have conversations with people who are sitting around them, and then talk about, okay, this is what's Mm -hmm. brought our group together in this place. Things like Friday nights on white, you know, it's... uh, uh, meet in the street, all of these different events. And even as I've talked about on an, another one of Southeastern's podcasts, Halloween. Right. Right. It's a rhythm that exists um, within our community where a lot of people are engaging in it. And instead of trying to create some sort of alternative mm-hmm. to those rhythms and then try to publicize and get people to come to our events, why don't we equip people to live like missionaries and to engage in the rhythms that already exist? That's good. Sometimes I think. It's tempting for us as the church to view the rhythms in our community as competition to our schedule. They provide the most fruitful opportunities for cultivating relationships. So learn how to ride those rhythms. Amen. Ride the rhythms like a good surfer. There you go. A spiritual surfer. Dr. Robinson, thanks for being with us this week. Happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks.